All right. Tonight, I'm going to be uh, changing gears. We were in the book of Proverbs, and we still are, but uh, we're going to take a little break and come back in January to the book of Proverbs. I really felt led to take this Wednesday and next Wednesday. The following Wednesday is the 18th, and there's going to be a special Christmas uh, service that night. But um, anyway, I felt led of God sincerely uh, because we were going into chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Proverbs, and that's better served waiting until January. So uh, I will give you one verse, and I think I may even try to on a regular basis on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm not sure I'll do this on uh, Sundays, but I may do it, continue to do it on Wednesday night. Um, it's a ways update. And so anyway, I want you, as I believe God has allowed Alice and I to really look at Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 in a whole new light. Um, it says, and you know it already, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And here it is, lean not to thine own, what? Understanding. Your uh, capacity of understanding, your experience of understanding in all thy ways, that fits, acknowledge him, all right? And he shall direct your paths. So uh, this really, a few weeks ago when, when I shared about my learning about ways and that app to give directions, how many of you have downloaded it since I mentioned it? If you haven't, it's W-A-Z-E, uh, directional-wise, it is pretty incredible. And it's helped me to lean not to my own understanding, but to acknowledge God in all my ways. And the parallels really have become meaningful to me. So anyway, here's the latest ways update, and then we'll get into the subject for tonight. Um, First of all, I've been here in Orlando a long time. I think that I really know these roads. Uh, I have driven them for years and years and years and years and years. And so it is easy to lean to my own understanding. The more you know, the more you serve God, it is easier if we're not careful to lean to our own understanding or our past experiences and miss what God has fresh for us today, all right? So, my latest ways update, Alice and I traveling to Lakeland. Uh, we're on I-4 and cruising along, and after getting by 417 I-4, Disney World craziness. Right? And so, we're on our way and uh, to see our grandkids and daughter and son-in-law, and all of a sudden, Alice says, she's got the phone, she says, uh, Waze is saying that there's a uh, traffic up ahead is four minute delay. I'm like, no big deal. We'll stay on I-4. And then at the last minute, she's saying, it's saying get off. It's saying get off. And I'm like, here and out in the middle of nowhere, it's saying get off. And, and I'm fighting this. 
And it says like one mile ahead, get up. And I'm fighting it. I, I'm leaning to my own understanding. I've driven I-4 for a long, long time. And I don't know the exit. I've never gotten off at this exit. And so I, I'm, I'm fighting it. She's saying it's saying to get off. And I was tempted to stay on. But at the last minute, I swerved. And I exited. And I, it says turn left. Well, that's crazy. That's going the opposite direction of where we want to go. But I do it anyway because I'm learning my lesson to trust in God uh, instead of leaning to my own understanding. And in this particular uh, uh, example, uh, learning to trust in ways that knows more than I do about the traffic patterns. It says, go this way about two miles. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. Then it says, take a right, go back over I-4. So I'm driving back over I-4 and I see all the traffic. It's just dead stop. And then it says, take another left, and all of a sudden, it dumps me back onto I-4. But there's no traffic. I'm saying no traffic, except in front of me, a few cars, because all the traffic going west is back there stopped. And I zigzagged around it and got in front of it, and I'm like, I, it felt so good to be on I-4 with no traffic. And I'm like, oh my Lord. I, I was about to run into a big problem and not leaning to my own understanding. I am ahead of the problem. I don't have a problem anymore. So the application is obvious. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, Acknowledge God and trust in him because you may run into a problem, but if you lean to him, you will find yourself on the other side of the problem. It won't even be a problem anymore because you're going to be on the other side of the problem. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, help us to lean not to our own understanding. Help us, O oh Lord God, in all of our ways to trust in you, to put our confidence in you, to rely upon you, to wait upon you for direction. Lord, I pray your blessing on all who are here tonight, whatever they're facing, whatever they're going through. I pray, Lord, that the spirit of joy would come upon their lives. And Lord, whatever anyone is worried about, it would dissipate and literally be gone from them and as Pastor John said, may they walk out of here, Lord, changed by the power of Almighty God in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. So um, I thought since I'm not going to go into five, six, and seven during the next couple of weeks, I thought, what is the pressing issue for today? Christmas is here. How many of you have already put up your Christmas tree? Oh, you're disgusting. Anyway, uh, good Lord. How, how many of you, like us, have not? Okay, now, all of you that raise your hands first, I want you to find somebody, go to them, and help them put their tray up, all right? Obviously, we have a problem. You're ahead of the ball game, and so you need to help somebody, all right? Because, oh my goodness, uh, there's been times in the past, I'm not even gonna tell you how, 
late I waited. But we're getting better. Um, but we're looking for somebody to hire, to put, bring and put things up. All right, so anyway, if you're available, you love to do it, see Alice afterwards. All right, I'm kidding. All right. Christmas is a wonderful time, but family issues can be a problem. Um, family relationships, it is one of the most wonderful times of the year and one of the most depressive times of the year for many people because it is Christmas. So many people are joyful because it is Christmas. Many people are depressed because it's Christmas. And so we wanna help people that are depressed. We wanna keep you from being depressed. We, uh, tonight we're gonna talk about Finance 101 so that you won't go out and go deeply in debt and not be able to pay the bills. And in January, you are begging God for the rapture to come back so the bills will not get there before the rapture, all right? So uh, listen, don't do that. I'm challenging you. My dad, I remember him saying years ago, he said, well, we go out and we buy Christmas, pay for it all year until about Christmas, get it paid off, start all over again. And uh, I thought to myself, well, I, I don't know, he didn't get that much Christmas for the kids. We were uh, economically challenged, and so uh, there wasn't a big Christmas. They did the best they could, but uh, many of you, if you're not careful, you're going to fall into the trap of uh, buying too much, uh, Buying everybody a gift. You gotta get everybody a gift. You gotta get the nephews, the nieces, the cousins, and everybody else. And anybody that gets you a gift at the last minute, you, you feel like, oh my Lord, I gotta run out, buy them a gift. And so it just gets crazy if we're not careful. I'm gonna get into some notes uh, right after this, but let me give you this illustration. In college, I saved up a little bit of money I knew a friend that worked at a store that would give, give her a discount. And so I went there to Christmas shop and buy something for my mother who's back home and uh, since passed away. But I found this beautiful, gorgeous um, blanket or, and um, it had tassels on the bottom. It was so beautiful. And back then, this I paid a... Uh, more money than I really had, but with the discount, I was able to pull it off, and so I was so proud of this beautiful blanket that she'd be able to put on her bed and, and just admire and stand there and think, I've got the most wonderful son in the whole world. Uh, look what he's bought me. So Christmas arrives. Uh, there's another, I've got a brother, and then I had four sisters, and uh, one's gone on to heaven. But the one that went to heaven, her and her husband were struggling a little financially, and she didn't have the means to go out. They didn't, she didn't have a credit card. She didn't go out and buy Christmas for mom. Here's what happened on that Christmas day. We we're opening presents, and I'm so excited about mine. I'm like, mom is just going to scream. And she's just going, oh my goodness, my son, my oldest son, look what you've done. Well, that didn't happen. Anyway, and, uh, but Lila, who is struggling and going through a lot, she opens her gift. She opens mine, and she was appreciative. And I was like, 
what's going on? But she opened Lila's. And Lila had taken a couple of nice new towels, sewed them into a robe for my mother. And my mother went bonkers. I'm looking. What? Do you realize how much I paid for this thing you just laid aside while you're just going nuts over the towels? I'm telling you, it's not in the cost of the gift. It's really what's behind it. I didn't understand then because I wasn't that mature, but I understand now. I didn't need the accolades that night uh, because my gift was better than average. She's the one that needed the, the show of attention because she didn't have much and she was no doubt maybe a little embarrassed about giving. But mom went overboard. And I'm telling you, something thoughtful that's going to keep you out of a big, huge credit card may be more long-lasting than something that you're going to pay too much money for. almost feel like praying again. All right. So anyway, symptoms of personal financial problems. And listen, for those of you that psychoanalyze people, I'm over it. All right. I'm really, I'm over it. Uh, I'm over it, all right, so anyway, all right. Number one, we are uh, symptoms of financial, personal problems. And uh, I, maybe some of you already have some personal financial problems here tonight. I, and I plead with you not to compound that issue by this wonderful thing we call Christmas and the celebration of the birth of Christ. Let's don't lose sight of that in the midst of all of our uh, economy and spending, all right? So don't go out and make it worse if it's already not good. Uh, people will understand and, and, and do it, you know, serve them in some other way, but uh, don't bury yourself under a load of debt. But some symptoms of personal financial problems. We're preoccupied with thoughts about money at the expense of thoughts about God. We don't want to get preoccupied about finances and what am I going to do to buy the gifts and what am I going to, how am I going to do this and, and dear Lord have mercy. Just chill out. Say God, you know I, I can't do what I've done in the past but Lord, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to be a blessing maybe in some other way than what uh, I would have done by buying an expensive gift. Number two, you don't give what you feel God wants you to give. There are people in this church that when we have missionaries or we, we uh, honor God with his tithe, uh, you feel bad because you can't give like you want to because you are buried under a mountain of debt and uh, you don't know how to get out of it. I'm challenging you. In this coming year, just a few short weeks away, Change your life financially. I mean, get out from under that mountain. Stay out from under it. Do whatever you have to do to make sure that uh, you do not get under this mountain of debt. Number three, you're not at peace to live on what God has provided. Here's some symptoms of financial problems. You argue within the family about money matters or 
between uh, uh, your husband or your wife or, or you're single and, and you're just, you're like, oh, so anxious about it. And, and you feel, God, everybody else seems to be doing good. And God, why, why am, not, am I not doing good financially? First of all, there's plenty of people that are in the same boat you're in, all right, that may be struggling also. So don't look at those who seem to have everything. They may be up to their ears in debt and you don't even know. Well, you can't pay credit cards in full each month. The credit cards uh, can be a monstrous thing that just absolutely zaps us spiritually, financially, and shuts us down. We're barely making the minimum payment. Uh, do everything you can. It's going to take time, but do everything you can in this coming new year to get out from under credit card debt. And that may mean cutting some of those cards up. I sound like Dave Ramsey now. Anyway, all right. Uh, you receive notices in the mail, past due, big red letters, past due. Uh, as a believer, you don't want to live like that. And you certainly don't want to during this Christmas season cause those kind of, of letters to come to your house. Past due, the credit card bill you bought all those gifts on. All right, you receive notices of past due accounts. You use spending as emotional therapy. What is it about spending? Uh, some people, they go out and spend and, and they just feel uh, better. And so when you feel better and, you're, and you've been feeling bad, then you go spend money and you feel better. Then you want to spend some more money and, and uh, feel better. So that is not what should dictate our emotions, our spending. No, uh, the, that's one of the last things that should dictate. We should have joy buying for somebody else or for getting a gift for somebody else, but don't go beyond your limit. Don't use spending as emotional therapy. And sometimes people just spend impulsively. A wonderful lady in our church uh, uh, she was a, a single mom, and Alice and I just loved her, uh, just a wonderful lady. And she would seek us out for advice, and, uh, and she came to me one time. She said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. My car, it keeps breaking down. It's broken down a couple of times. I've already spent like $600 on it. And then she calls me, and she says, sometime later, a few days later, and says, Pastor, uh, I, I went to, my car's gotten so bad, I went to a dealership. They're going to put me in like almost a new car for only 500 a month. And I'm like, what? Please don't do this. I'm like, okay, you're having a hard time pay, making the repairs at $600 and now it's 500 every month. Do you realize there's 12 months in the year? Every single month they expect you to pay this and somehow or another they will convince you that, that uh, having a plan to pay off that vehicle uh, will, you know, in 30 years, look, it'll be paid off. Just $500 a month, it'll be paid off. Uh, do you realize now in some countries overseas they have mortgages on their homes of 60 years People are going deeper and deeper in debt. The United States, oh dear God, come Lord Jesus. 
already 20 something trillion dollars in debt and people and they don't think anything about it they absolutely they lose no sleep over it whatsoever congress is the one that manages or is supposed to manage the finances particularly the house but anyway People are going in debt in the, in the government, on the uh, local level, in personal level, and so God help us all. First Timothy chapter six, verse six, and the Bible says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at that, godliness with contentment is great gain. For your life and mine. For we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain. We can carry nothing out. And having. This, this has always just absolutely blown me away. Look at. In verse 8. And Paul's writing. And having food. How many of you have food at home? How many of, and clothing. How many of you have clothes on? Thank God. And so you've got clothes at home. How many of you got a whole closet full of clothes at home? How many of you don't have closets enough at home? Yes. Uh, and so we have food, we have clothing. With these we shall be what? This is, Paul, sir, Paul doesn't understand. Yes, he does. Because the Spirit of God inspired him to write this. So with food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Contentment is an attitude. I'm not saying, and Paul's not implying that, that we should get rid of anything and everything other than food and clothing. Of course not. But he is saying contentment is possible in any situation. Even if you only have food and clothing, you can be content. And so with you and I in America, it is more than possible to be content. It's an attitude of the will. And so God help us to have contentment. Say it with me. Contentment. Contentment. God's plan for contentment. Number one, establish a reasonable standard of living. Having contentment. Establish a reasonable standard of living. Number two, establish a pattern or a habit of giving. Uh, you want to receive, you've got to give. That means honor God with the tithe, all right? I mean, if somebody comes to me for financial counseling, and even if they're in debt, I'm going to say, you really need to start giving. You really need to honor God with the tithe. You really need to do what the Word says. Test me now in this, says the Lord, and see what I will do for you. I'll open the window of heaven. Will a man rob God? Verse 8. Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithe and offerings, all right? So Malachi, of course, 3 and 8, all right. Now, uh, many Christians are discontented because they are, aren't doing well, but because others are doing better. Well, look, it is so easy to fall into the trap of, uh, looking what other people have and the old flesh 
will desire every time, almost without exception, unless we are walking in the Spirit. There will be a little tinge, even if it's a little tinge, of desire. Oh, look at that. And then we, our mind starts trying to calculate whether we can also afford that. So, look, bless the neighbors. Bless people that have a huge house. Bless them, Lord. But we need to be content where we are at present time. If God blesses us with more as we give and as we honor him and as we don't overspend, then praise God. Buy a nice house. Buy a nice car. Buy a brand new car. I, I don't ever, I have never bought a new car and I don't ever plan to buy a new car. Why? Because I, I'm too, never mind. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm too smart, all right? No, I'm not too smart because uh, somebody wants to buy what I don't care. But what I want you to do is buy it new, drive it off the parking lot and see the price and depreciation go down about 15%, and then the next year about 15%, and the next year, and then about the third year, I'm going to buy it from you at about half the price, all right? So, and it still looks good. You've kept good care of it, and so now I'm going to drive it for several years, all right, until you buy another one, and we do all the same thing all over again, all right? But uh, Alice and I, years ago, we needed, uh, at the time, we need a, a new home, um, we had three children, and I noticed that my oldest daughter was pushing her younger daughter closer and closer to the door. And uh, the room was small. It was a small house. So we thought, okay, we'll upgrade. We started looking. Alice and I were out. Here's something you need to be aware of if you've never experienced it when you're looking for a different house. Don't start out up here because it's hard to go here. When you start out up here at homes you can't afford, and then to come down, it's like, oh, I can't afford this. We saw this home. It was beautiful. We walked up to it. It had a for sale sign. It's in a beautiful neighborhood. This was several years ago. We walked up. I checked the front door. It was, it was open. It was unlocked. We walked in. There was furniture and I thought, well, that's just interesting. I, you look through the living room, beautiful pool. <gasps> we're looking around and we're like, oh, this is incredible. And then all of a sudden, an alarm starts going off. <laughs> and so I'm like, this is a sign from God. <laughs> And so Alice and I are like, uh, I'm like, Alice, come on. We didn't run. We slowly walked to the front door, closed it. It's still going off. We're just walking away like normal people. And I'm saying, okay, I knew it was the wrong house, Lord. All right, I knew it was too much. And so uh, I'm leaving now, but... Uh, Boy, I was glad to get out of the neighborhood without being arrested, but uh, all right. Philippians chapter three, verse eight. Yet indeed, Paul says, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things 
and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. What Paul, of course, is saying is that everything this world has to offer is nothing. It is rubbish compared to Christ. If I have Christ, that is first and foremost in my life. It is not worldly possession. It is Christ. It is not all that the world has to offer. No, it is Christ. It is him and him alone. And so, and we can enjoy the other stuff, but we know we're just passing through. So we don't bury ourselves. We don't go into such debt that we can't make a missions pledge like we made a couple months ago. And I want to thank everybody who did that. I want to encourage you next year, turn your situation around. I mean, get out from in, under a mountain of debt. Quit using those cards, uh, uh, just spending, spending, spending. Uh, do whatever you have to. Come get the books on finances and, and go to a Dave Ramsey course. That course, I didn't think, I'd never taken it before, maybe three or four years ago. And I thought, I, I'm going to take this because I want to encourage, keep encouraging people to take it. And I went into that class. I really thought already, ah, I know a lot of stuff about finances. That I'm not sure, you know, what I'm going to learn. But I sat down and I was mesmerized from the very first class. It just captured my attention and focus. And I was like, wow, this is really, really good. A couple years or so ago, we took our entire staff through it, or most of the staff through it, because I wanted them to hear the principles that are taught in uh, that course. Uh, somebody help this gentleman, okay? Uh, how to gain financial freedom. Transfer all ownership to, to God. Number two, get out of debt. Use credit cards sparingly. Evaluate expenditures, all right? Evaluate expenditure. Do you really need them? Give God a chance to provide. Who knows? God may provide a chance uh, or give what you're needing. Do not borrow or try not to borrow for depreciating items. Uh, houses, you almost have to, but it's a, an increasing asset. Usually uh, cars, not so much as I mentioned earlier. And then here's one. Uh, this kind of fits, but just in case someone is facing this, I want to strongly encourage you. It's from the book of Proverbs. All right. Do not co-sign for anyone or anything. Don't do it. Uh, what does the word say about co-signing? Well, let me make one caveat there. Uh, one exception is this. If you... You know, you have a son or a daughter and you want to co-sign because you, you absolutely, you're not concerned about the money. If you have to pick up the car payment, you have to pick up the house payment, whatever, you're not concerned about it, you realize that, then maybe, okay, but the scripture, let's see what it says about people who co-sign. A man devoid of understanding, Proverbs 17, 18, shakes hands in a pledge, co-signs, becomes surety, for his friend. And then in verse 26 of chapter 22, do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge. One of those who is surety for debts or uh, cosigns. If you have, if you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Wow. So 
what he's saying there, the wisest man that God filled with wisdom, Solomon, what he's saying is, do not do this unless you have the capacity to pay it and you go into the understanding, you may end up with that car payment, you may end up with that house payment, don't do it otherwise. Number, uh, the, another, uh, I'm not numbering them, but another thing we wanna do is this, and I'm gonna close in just a moment with one other issue. Develop sales resistance. Develop sales resistance. I said develop sales resistance. People, I, I, if you're a salesman, God bless you. Do it with enthusiasm and passion, but never lie. Do not lie. Those of you that are easily swayed by salespeople, stay away from them, all right? Do not, don't go into a parking lot unless you are able to walk away, all right? Uh, with, uh, without buying a car, letting somebody talk you into something that you cannot handle or afford. So, uh, develop sales resistance. I um, have really gotten pretty good over the years. I mean, um, there have been times in the past that little kids come up to the door selling cookies. Uh, you know what, son? You're gonna, you're gonna go far in life. Uh, what you're doing out here by being a little salesman, you know, you're gonna go far in life. And one of the lessons you're gonna learn is not everybody is gonna buy. And uh, I'm here to teach you that lesson. So go on to the neighbor, they got money, they're, a, they're an easy take. Uh, they're Christians, they'll buy anything. All right, just go next door, all right? So develop sales resistance. Now, I, I bought a few things, all right? But anyway, I'm not, I'm not, I don't wanna paint myself into a corner here. All right, do not write checks when the money is not in the bank, oh, for heaven's sakes, all right? And then, lastly, learn how to repair things yourself. Do you realize you can just about Google anything? And uh, for you single moms, um, you, uh, if you're a single dad, forget it. All right, you fix your own. All right, but anyway, if you're a single mom, uh, servant hands ministry, Pastor Wayne is over, uh, simple repairs and tasks and plumbing and this kind of thing, uh, take advantage of it, call the office. And I know it's Christmas, but... Uh, They'll try to get to you, but you can Google things. Um, and I am not super handy, handyman. I'm not a handyman, but I can fix things and figure some things out. Some things I'd make worse, but anyway. Uh, one day I went out to the living room. The refrigerator has a freezer at the bottom. I went to pull it out, and it wouldn't pull out. And um, so I, I, I'm like pulling it hard, and I'm afraid I'm gonna break something, and so I stop, and I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to get my frozen blueberries out for my oatmeal this morning? Like, how am I gonna do this? And I couldn't get it open. And so finally, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna Google this. And I Googled, and there's a video showing me what to do. And it said, on the left-hand side, there's a track, raise this lever, and uh, you should be able to pull it out. 
So I followed the instructions of the video and it worked. Except there was still a problem. Because on the right hand side that did not have a lever, it was now sticking. And what I realized was that ice had built up on the track, frozen, and it was so hardened in that I couldn't get the track open. And no video. Left track, video. Right track, no video. And I'm like, somebody needs to make a video on the right track. Why don't we have a video on the right track? And so I'm thinking about this, and finally I'm like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll pour hot water over it, and, and uh, it will turn to liquid. And sure enough, I'm like, I'm a genius. And so I, I just pulled it out, and it works. Uh, not really thinking about the next day or so when that hot water I had just poured on the track would now freeze. And so... Uh, I go in a couple of days later and I can't get it open, the right track again. I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? So I'm thinking, I think it was God inspired. But I'm like, okay, I got to get the frozen water off the track, the ice off the track. But I can't, how am I going to do this? I, I can't reach back there. I, all I can do is pour hot water on it. And so then I'm like, okay, we're going to pour hot water on it again. But this time, I'm going to get her hair dryer. And I am going to stand there and I am going to dry all the water, hot water, off the track. And so I dried it all off, blowing it in there. And it's still working. That's been a year or so from now. And, and it's still working. And I'm like, I am going to make a video. And uh, so I still hadn't gotten around to it, but... There's thousands of people out there, their right track is stuck right now, and they don't know that a simple hair dryer and hot water will work. You may be able to fix your problem with uh, less effort than it took me to fix the right track and save some money in the process. And uh, I hate it when people, especially ladies, that... Uh, have problems, and some of you men like myself, we're challenged also in some areas, but God help us to help one another, which we're doing through servant hands, and God help us to learn uh, maybe some things on our own that can save us money and not spend over here so we can be a bigger giver and so we can buy a gift that we really want to be able to afford. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you, Lord, Bless every person here. I pray, Lord, if there are people that just are already concerned about the expense of Christmas, God, I pray that worry would dissipate. I pray, oh Lord, God, that the Spirit of God would give them peace. God, give them wisdom how to make it through this season without causing further issues for themselves. God, lead them by your Spirit. Help them, oh Lord God, regardless of what they experience in life, to lean not to their own understanding, but God help them to lean to your understanding and acknowledge you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, 
Would you bow your heads with us, please? All over the building, bow your heads with us. And one of the greatest needs is not more money to buy a Christmas present, but one of the greatest needs, of course, is the salvation of our souls, is a relationship with Christ. And so if you're here tonight and you're about to, like all of us, enter into this Christmas season, but you do not have a relationship with Christ. So I want to challenge you to say yes to God, yes to his forgiveness, yes to a relationship with Christ. This is what this season is all about, first and foremost. The greatest present ever given to this world was the present and the presence of Christ himself to us. If you need Christ, you need a relationship with God, why don't you just lift your hand high right now? Let me see it. I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand high. Anybody in this building? Just lift your hand high. That's you. Father, touch, I pray. And God, you and you alone know if there are those that are sitting here that don't know you as Lord and Savior. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would continue to prompt them and draw them. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Stand with us, please, everyone. Praise God. Pastor John is going to lead us in a prayer. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to change things a little bit differently. One of the pastors is going to be here to serve you communion. Uh, he's going to pray right now. And then he's going to lead us in a chorus. Just a wonderful worship chorus. And if you have a need in your life, why don't you at that time just make your way to this altar? All right? So he's going to lead us first. Then afterwards, as he leads us in worship, why don't you, if you need God in some capacity, some areas, even in finances, of course, let's come to God and let somebody pray with us, okay? So Pastor Wayne's here to serve his communion. Lead us in prayer, if you will, please, Pastor John. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, we thank you for your presence in this place tonight. And we thank you, God, that there is no need that you can't meet. And so we pray, God, as we end this time together, Lord, that, Lord, you would touch each and every heart, each and every person, Lord God, that may need you, each and every person that is believing you for change in a situation or for changing their lives, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would meet each and every person at their place of need. And, Father, for those that have walked out of these doors now, I just pray, Lord, that your blessing, that your hand would be upon them, God. And for those that will come to these altars, God, I pray in Jesus' name that they'll touch your heart and you'll touch theirs and that they'll be forever changed. We love you and we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How great, how great you are. These altars are open for you. We're just going to sing these words, my God. My God, how great you are, how great, how great you are. My God, how great, my God, how great you are, how great, how great you are.